You know what time it is. It's the Sex Without the City podcast with your hosts, Cindy, Candy, and Sasha. The place to carve time out for you to tune out, have a laugh, connect to something you can relate to, and enjoy some juicy pasta. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Sex Without the City. Hi. (laughs) Yes. Today it is just... Cindy and Candy that are going to be presenting. We have Sasha, who is away on a business trip. So we're really excited to bring to our listeners some really good discussion today. We miss Sasha, but we will... Shout out to Sasha, wherever you are. I hope you are having a great time and then you have some juicy information to bring us back. Yes, (laughs) we are ready to get the scoop, girl. Mm -hmm. So Cindy, talk to us. Give us a little recap on your fabulous week. You had a lot of good things happen. I had a lot going on this week, actually. I I was in DR last week. Um, My husband is living in Dominican Republic right now because we are building and I have to go see him. At least every 30 days. We cannot be apart from each other for 30 days. That's the agreement between him and I. So I was there and, oh, by the way, my mom turned 70. Big. big. Huge. When I was little, she used to tell me, I want to die by the age of 60. Mm. And now she's 70. So I'm like, okay, how do you want to go out? Yeah. You need me to strangle you? You want me to shoot you? Like, you want to take some pills? I got a whole bunch. Like, how do you want to go out? And now she's like, hell no, I want to live, you know, 20 more years, 40 more years. So that was a lot of fun. Going to DR is always nice. Hell yeah. The island is nothing like the island. Nothing like the island. But, you know, it's beautiful because that's a testament to her having a good life. Yeah. Oh, man. They have a nice place. They have everything that they need. They got somebody that cooks and clean and does their laundry. Girl, that's what I aspire. I want to be like my mom and my dad when I grow up. Hell yeah. And then of course the big kahuna was my daughter graduated high school. Which happens to be your goddaughter. Yes. Right. Baby. (laughs) Miss Miss Thang. She did it. And um, it it was a very weird um, sentiment because she left traditional high school and she was like mom i'm not gonna waste another year Mm. i want to finish get this over and done with and we set out to have her study a certain amount of hours a certain amount of days and 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 we scheduled it all out she did it she did a whole year and a half worth of work in four months amen come through girl she she did it yes it was it was amazing i I was really really happy about all and i feel like it's a testament to like the trajectory of her life like what great things she could be able to easily manifest yeah you know this is a testament of if she puts her mind to it Mm -hmm. she can definitely do it yeah so yeah that was good how about you girl i had a little bit of a tough week Hmm. As you know, Please do tell. yes, man, uh, I'm sure that some of our listeners w- might be able to relate to this. Um, it's not like happy news, but um, my dog, um, who's 12 years old, he is a gorgeous Tibetan Spaniel, hmm. um, bubbly, you know, Juno, yeah. he's, he's just the best dog ever. Unfortunately, he was diagnosed um, hmm. with cancer. Wow. 
So um, it really sucks. I've been grieving a lot and I've been, you know, navigating some um, some tough feelings. Mm-hmm. I did hear something and we, we, as you know, we do our little toast of the day at the end. But I heard some gems that we're looking forward to sharing with our audience um, at the end of our recording today. But, you know, I'm, I'm holding on. I think faith is like being my... Mm-hmm. My my rock. My Absolutely. You yeah. have to be able to hold on to that faith, knowing that God knows, you know, what is best. Yeah. And also, if you lean towards that, just being able to stay strong, knowing yeah. that this too shall pass. You had great memories. He's yeah. a really good dog. He's yeah. a cute little bundle of fluffiness. He's yeah, so cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, what's next thereafter? Yeah. That's the, the best thing that you can do now. Yeah, man. Hold on to that. Hold on to the good memories. Understand that he had a good life. I was able to give him a good life. He created a lot of fun for me over the last 12 years. So um, I'm just in that in that space of gratitude and grief all at once. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's so nice to have this opportunity and this platform, Cindy. Right. Like I was sharing with her, just so you guys know, that I was just so happy she's here. You know, mm-hmm. Cindy's energy in and of itself is inspiring. She doesn't even have to talk and she just evokes a lot of good vibes. And so today she's actually going to be talking to us about something super private and special. And we felt in our hearts that it was time to share it with people. We, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's a number of people that really need to hear this message yeah. particularly today. So it's about addiction yes, and my journey to recovery. Yeah. So uh, those of you that don't know me yet, um, I just recently celebrated one year of recovery. Yes. That was a huge milestone because yeah. I mean, I've done recovery in the past. I've been sober for three years. I've been sober for one year or two years, you know, on and off. And for whatever reason, I would keep falling off the wagon. Yeah. Um, and this time around, it really was such a conscious effort that um, I, I just don't even think about it anymore. I see mm-hmm. it differently. And I've gone through a huge process to get yeah. here. You Tell know? us about that. What was that aha moment for you, Cindy, that made you feel like, nah, this has to be a permanent decision? Well... Before I got there, I'll give you a quick recap. Um, I have a very long list in my family of uh, people that drink. Mm -hmm. Um, They may not identify as alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, you know, we're from the islands Mm -hmm. and in DR, come on now. Mm -hmm. It is like you get to someone's house and they either offer you coffee Mm -hmm. or alcohol. They don't even offer you water. Yeah. Right. So alcohol is like the center of mm-hmm. every party, every mm-hmm. birthday, any celebration. Mm-hmm. And even when someone dies, I've yep. been to plenty of funerals mm-hmm. where they offer you coffee mm-hmm. or rum, mm-hmm. like yep. Romo. Yep. That's what it is. Yep. So, you know, alcohol is definitely something that has always been in my, in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I come from a very, very long list, you know, between my mom's side of the family, my dad's side of the family. We definitely have some, alcoholics, whether or not they recognize it or not. And at the age of 14 was the first time that I had a drink. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. I had, and I distinctly remember I was in DR. We were on a Christmas vacation and uh, my mom gave me a gulp of 
beer. And mm-hmm. I thought it was so nasty. I was mm-hmm. like, Ugh. yeah. Why do people drink this? Yeah. This is disgusting. <laughs> and I never drank again until I was about like 18. I drank again, but it was never it was never a problem. It was very mild. Yeah. Like I was always a designated driver and I mm-hmm. didn't really like the taste or I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember when I was still living at home, my dad, one day he put out all the alcohol that he had mm-hmm. in the cabinet in the house, mm-hmm. put it in the counter. He was like, this is this, this is this, this is this. He literally showed me what each thing was like. Mm-hmm. This is tequila. This mm-hmm. is rum. This is cognac. This is brandy. This is wine. This is, you know, yeah. so that and, you know, his reasoning behind it was, I want you to know what everything is so that when you're out, yes. no one can bullshit you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Basically. crash course on all yeah. alcohol, the branding, so you know what's what. How do you drink this? Thing? And yeah. how do you drink that? And how do you sip this? Mm-hmm. You know, so um, that's how it started. And then throughout the years then I became 21 and it's, you know, I started to drink and it was then more social, right. you know, and parties and get together things, you know, just the regular stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really start to think that there was an issue until uh, I would say, when was it? When I was living alone. Mm-hmm. So in 2009, my parents decided to retire and move back to the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. My parents lived in the United States for over 42 years, mm-hmm. right? Then they decided, you know, we're going to retire. We're going back home. Yeah. And me and my brothers and my daughters were here by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember just not really understanding mm-hmm. the, the, the depth of the gravity, the, 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 the gravity of how much I was going to miss them. I didn't think I was going to miss them that much. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was already like 28, 29. Yeah, yeah. Right. I remember. Yeah. No, late 20s. I was actually mid to late twenties, maybe. Y- no, well, I had my daughter at 27. So I, I yeah, it was 30. Remember okay. we, we celebrated my 30th birthday in uh, the hard rock. Yes. So I was definitely 30, 31. Yeah. Right. So for, for a good 15 years, you know, my drinking was just social. But then when my parents left, mm-hmm. it's I started to notice that it was a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then my daughters, they missed their grandparents so much that they decided they wanted to go to DR mm-hmm. and they wanted to experience life in DR, live with my parents and be there. Mm-hmm. Then I was literally left alone. Mm-hmm. My brothers moved out. My daughters mm-hmm. moved out. My parents moved out. I was by myself. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to realize I'm alone. I can do whatever the hell I want. Mm. Going out. I mean, I was, I was always social. Yeah. I would always go out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would always try to, you know, also, I thought it was drinking responsibly. Mm-hmm. Right. But I do remember that I started drinking more yeah. and I started drinking alone. Mm-hmm. And I started um, at some point I had to live with one of my aunts for some time. And I started buying wine literally every single day. So much so that when I would get out of work and I would pass by the gasoline station, the guy already knew mm. that if that specific, you know, particular wine was running out, he would actually put one in the back for me so that nobody <laughs> would take it and he would save it for me. Commitment. Yes. He was like, you need your wine and I know you're coming in. So I'm going to make sure that you have yours. And, um, I was drinking in my, in my bedroom and when I was 
out of that and I felt like I wanted to keep drinking, I ransacked my aunt's, you know, liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I started noticing, but I still was not conscious about that. Right. But you were finding yourself like I'm interested in numbing, numbing away what felt like the isolation. Yeah. yeah. And I really didn't understand why I thought all this time, you know, hey, my my kids are out. My brothers are out. My parents are out. I have yeah. no ties. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah. So You're I free. was good yeah. and free to yeah. drink and go out and do whatever and I want. you have no witness to your growing exactly. addiction. Yeah, exactly. Um, then when my daughters came back. I had gone into a relationship with someone and he was a drinker, but he was like a social drinker, mm-hmm. right? Nothing to worry about. And he was the one who also started to point out the fact that I was drinking a little too much. And then, you know, the blackouts started happening a lot more than mm-hmm. before. And that was always concerning, right? Yeah, the blackouts. God knows. You remember one time that we went to Yolo's? The mm. very, very first time that we went to Yolo's? Yes, like, yes, yes. This was, I'm telling you, well this over was 15 like years ago. well over 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. But I distinctly remember that night because it was ladies night and they had like the worst, cheapest wine yeah. ever. Yeah. And I don't even remember how many we had, but I know that we had a lot. And I remember that I was supposed to take my parents to the airport the next day. Oh, my God. I made it home. I got lost. My God. I made it home with no gas. And the way that I realized that I had no gas, the next day when my dad woke me up or tried to wake me up to, uh, hey, we need to go to the airport. Yeah. When you went to turn on the car, the car wouldn't even turn on because I had no gas. How I made it home, it was purely... Angels, 100%. Because I had no gas and I, you know, don't remember fully that whole night. That's crazy. Um, So then I, you know, knew that something was going on, but I Mm -hmm. didn't know how to put a name to it or Mm -hmm. a label to it. Right. And then, um, you know, that boyfriend that I had, he mm-hmm. wasn't living, mm-hmm. you know, he would come and spend every other weekend or something like that with me. But he started to question mm-hmm. my drinking. Mm-hmm. And um, now you got the witness. And now I have someone that's calling me out. Right. Because yeah. I had never lived with a man before. Yeah. Not like that. Not yeah. not not during this process. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was done. He mm-hmm. was like, I'm picking up my shit. I'm leaving. Like, I'm not going to live with an alcoholic anymore. It's too much. You know, the girls tell me that I would like pass out in the couch and they would have to pick me up and take me to the bedroom. I mean, throughout this entire time, I thought I was okay because I had a job. Right. I would get up no matter what, take my daughters to school, go to work, come home with two liters of wine Mm. and cook. And clean and still do those things. Functional tasks. I mm-hmm. right. The, that that mm-hmm. functional, functional alcoholic type of uh label that totally messed me up because I thought I was functional. I yeah. thought it was funny, right? And uh that boyfriend that I had at the moment, because he started to point it out, that's when I started questioning mm-hmm. what was going on. Mm-hmm. Your wheels were turning. Yeah. Yeah. Because even even when I would talk to my parents, my dad, Mm -hmm. uh, still to this day, to be honest, he'll still be like, but, you know, you can just have one. 
Ain't that something? Like, right? Dad? Um, I can't. Out of all people, he's yeah. dad. <laughs> but he would be like, it's okay, you know? Yeah. What? You just have two. It's yeah. okay. Um, and and I just didn't understand why I couldn't just have one. Mm. To me, in my mind, is either I'm going to get fucked up mm-hmm. or I'm not going to have anything at all. Like, what's the point of drinking if I'm not going to get fucked up? Right? Right. So... It got to a point where I started to question myself and said, you know what? I've always heard of people going to AA. Mm-hmm. You know, why not? Yeah. Let me so one that. day mm-hmm. I decided to go to an AA meeting. I started researching it and I started to think about maybe I should go. Maybe it's something I should explore. And I went. And I remember the very first time that I went to an AA meeting and I just sat in the back and started listening to other mm-hmm. people's stories. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, shit. Mm. I'm an alcoholic. Man, they sound like me. Oh, shit. I mm. do that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I remember someone saying that they would take the wine and store it in their laundry basket. I'm like, yeah, I did yeah. that, too. Mm-hmm. Under their bed. Yes, I did mm-hmm. that, too. I would drive with a bottle of wa- whatever. Right. I would drink ethanol gas at this point. Right. God, yeah. Under the seat of my car. I was doing that, too. So the fact that I was sneaking around and I didn't want to let people know the extent of my um, of my issue. And that's when I realized, oh, shit, I must be an alcoholic if I'm doing all these things then I must be an alcoholic. So that was like in 2012, Mm. 2013, around that time. Was there a shame for you associated with that label? Because there really is. Yeah, of course. I I did feel shame at the beginning because I didn't understand it myself. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure. Even though I was identifying with, you know, the stories that I was listening to in AA, uh, I still didn't want to admit it. You know, like that first step is admitting that you're an mm-hmm. alcoholic. I wasn't really there yet, yeah. but internally I knew something was going on. Yeah, My yeah. wheels were already turning and I was yeah. already thinking, hmm, maybe. And I kept drinking, mm-hmm. right? Um, then in 2000, I think it was 2013, I went to pick up my parents mm-hmm. to... The airport. This was in December. And when I went to pick him up, I was so drunk. I had been drinking straight up from the bottle, drinking and driving. I went all the way to Miami International Airport to pick him up. And my mom and my dad were like, "Uh, you're drunk. What are you doing? Why are you driving? And when I went to drop him off, they told my brother, hey, can you take her home? Because you... She's out of it. Wow. She can't drive like that. I don't even know how she made it. She's going to kill herself or somebody yeah. else. Um, go ahead and take her home. And when I made it home, and I'm type 1 diabetic. I have been for almost 20 years now. And I remember that night, I did not stop throwing up the entire wow. night. Mm. And my sugar would not go down. Oh my my God. sugar levels were 400, 500. Wow. And my partner at that time, he was... He wouldn't even address me because he was just so done. Wow. And I knew that it wasn't just I'm throwing up because I'm drunk. I knew something else was going on. Mm -hmm. And in the morning, it must have been like six or seven o'clock in the morning. um, He took my daughters to school. 
Mm-hmm. And it was just him and I. And when he came back from dropping off the girls, he started packing up his shit. And I just went nuts. And I was like, please don't leave. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with me. Please call 911. Something's wrong with me. He was like, nope, I'm done. You're just, you know, you're drunk. You're you're hangover. Um, and I said, no, no, I know something's wrong with me. So he called 911. Oh, my God. And when the ambulance came, obviously, my sugar was still skyrocket. Um they checked me and they were like, you know what? I think that you're going to have to go in because you might be in DKA. For those people that don't know what that means um, is um, uh, diabetic ketoacidosis. Mm -hmm. It's literally when your body's, uh, you know, the level of toxicity in your, in your blood is so high that it's intoxicating all of your organs. I mean, your entire body is shutting down pretty much. And he went downstairs to leave but he found that his, I mean, him and I had been living in that apartment already for almost two years and never had he gotten boots on his tires. That day when he went downstairs to leave, cause he was getting ready oh to leave my, my ass. He went downstairs and there were boots on his, on his tires. So he you, couldn't leave. Universal sign. You only. know, Get me to he remain. could not leave. <laughs> but he called 911. They came, oh they realized God. that something was wrong with me and they took me in. And lo and behold, when I got to the emergency room and they checked my blood sugar, you know, they were so high and they checked my levels and I was in DKA. And the doctor literally told me, had you waited maybe 30 more minutes, you would have gone into a coma. Oh my God. It was that bad. So I ended up in um, the ICU for, uh, I was in ICU for four days and then regular, you know, a total of seven days in the hospital. And um, I was released and I came out and I was like, okay, I'm going to be sober. And I was for three years until my uh, relationship deteriorated. And I decided I was going to leave him, move out. That was 2016. And um, I moved out on my own and I had not been on my own for a really long time. And uh, I started drinking again and it was a gradual process. Mm -hmm. But this time I realized that it, it progressed even faster than before. Mm. Right. Well, now you're a pro. Well now. And your body's trying to catch up. Yeah, exactly. So those three years that I was sober, I was going to AA. I was doing the work and, you know, I was trying to keep up. Um, I wasn't really being around people that were drinking that much during that point. It was hard because the person that I was with at that time isolated a lot of my family. I think, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I even saw you probably. I, I only met it, him like, I only, time. I only saw you when you left. Yeah. The day that yeah. you came to tell me that you were leaving, you were moving Florida. Um, but other than that, like yeah. I didn't have really family and friends coming around because again, Everybody else in my family and in my circle drank and he was trying to protect me, but it became like a glass, Mm -hmm. you know, house. Mm -hmm. I I just couldn't do anything. And I felt completely um, isolated, not to mention that our relationship deteriorated. So when I moved down, I started drinking. I was back on my own Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. whatever the hell I wanted. Mm -hmm. Your girls were older too. So now they're starting to get more independent. And now you're feeling like, okay, rock and roll all over again. Newly single. I didn't need a babysitter anymore. Mm -hmm. I can get up and go and do what have you. My daughters were a lot more independent. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel the need to cater to anyone Mm -hmm. at that point. 
And then um, I met my husband during mm-hmm. that time. And my husband drinks, mm-hmm. you know, um, we have a debate on whether or not he helped induce or not. Mm-hmm. No, I take full responsibility and I hold myself accountable to it. He's a responsible drinker because mm-hmm. he drinks and, you know, we've been together for six years. And in six years, I probably have seen him pissy, nasty, mm-hmm. drunk, maybe three times. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with him, I felt, oh, he's a drinker. Great. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I get to drink with mm-hmm. someone else now. And I thought it was OK. And um, and then the pandemic hit. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. If you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe to our show wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram and YouTube at Sex Without the City Podcast. And tune in every Thursday for all new Dirty Martini discussions. See you then.